0: To much higher levels of performance and success there's a link in the show notes click on it to find out more all right let's get started hello everyone welcome to another episode of the no limit selling podcast and today is something super exciting not today, but tomorrow, tomorrow, we're going to be releasing the mindset boosters app, which will allow you to decide how you want to feel or act in any situation. So if you feel anxiety before something really important, you'll be able to listen to a six minute track. I'll show you how to take charge of your mind and tweak down the anxiety. So you feel freaking fabulous 60 tracks solving 60 problems to make you amazing. But today I have the privilege of having Carolyn patches here with us today. Carolyn, welcome to the show.
1: I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: So I'm going to tell you a really bad joke and uh, please promise not to hang up on me when I tell you this joke. Do I have your commitment?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay.
0: So this is a dumb joke. It's like uh, uh, they send a kid into this room and it's just, piled with horse shit in the room. And the kid's like, oh my God, this is disgusting and walks out of the room immediately. Second kid comes in the room, sees all this shit and starts digging in it with, with glee and this thing, oh, why are you so happy with all this horse shit? There's got to be a pony in here somewhere. And it's it's all about mindset, right? And what we want to talk about today is nonprofits because oftentimes what I've found is nonprofits have this poverty mindset. It's like uh it's like Oliver Twist. Can I have some more, please? Not you know, $10. And uh if we could just change that mindset in their marketing, in their connection with what they're trying to achieve, because they have the right heart, but sometimes they don't have the right relationship with money. Thoughts?
1: Yes, I think that a lot of times it has to do with who started the nonprofit who actually, is it someone who has experience with nonprofits or is it someone uh, that comes from a different profession that feels the disconnection?
0: Yes. Yeah. So uh, one of the most successful uh, nonprofits for a disease is the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. And they were doing uh, okay at best uh, until the CEO uh, of a pretty large company, his son, got it. And he actually came over and took over and he came with a business mindset. And one of the things that he wanted to do was to raise a lot of money, which they did. And they funded uh, two venture capital uh, uh, outfits to actually fund research to cure the disease. So if you've got the right mindset, you can actually accomplish a lot more in the great work that you're trying to do.
1: Correct. And you said the keyword word, he came with a previous business background, uh-huh. which helped provide a sense of this is what we have to do, and it provided the key goals and settings that a nonprofit needs to be successful
0: absolutely. The other thing they ended up doing I'm not sure if it was happening before he came or not, but their uh family of people that are suffering with this uh, issue with their family members of themselves, uh, their commitment to solving this is so strong that they got this vibrant uh, volunteer force all around the world that is dedicated to eradicating this. And I think that also talks about culture on how do we create a culture in the organization where people put uh, finding the cure above, uh, you know, self-interest.
1: Yes. A lot of times what I've seen in nonprofits is the disconnection between board members or staff to the key goal of the organization. What is it that we want to eradicate? Is it poverty? Is it hunger? Is it something that has to do with a disease? And most of the members, um, if the nonprofit doesn't get the goals met, it's because they do not understand or they have not gone through the process that has to do with, it's not something that affects them. So they want to help and contribute, but it's not something that affects them directly. And sometimes they do not understand the whole uh, situation behind why this nonprofit was uh, developed.
0: So we'll talk about specific uh, cases and you'll change the names to protect the innocent. So we don't like uh, uh, embarrass anybody or, uh, Uh, anything like that. But uh, I was asked to come to this nonprofit and they had a disconnect between the board who is in charge and the executive director. And the true leadership is when the executive director can influence the board. And what they were finding was this, is that they had a really powerful board, but a lot of the board members were sitting on the sidelines. So I came in to do a transformation of the culture there And one of the things that happened was people that were on the sidelines finally stepped up because the most important thing you can do as a board is open your Rolodex because the connections they have is so powerful. But if they're just waiting, the executive director will tell us what to do or we'll tell the organization to do this. And it's uh, a collaboration uh, between the executive director and the board, but uh, the board has to step up. And also the executive director has to take a leadership role and not go, what would you like me to do?
1: Correct. That's, I've seen that as well in other organizations. And the struggle it is to the same point we just directed about. It's basically the fact that board members sometimes um, are not even told uh, specifics or that they came in and they just use the board membership as a form to make it look good on their resume.
0: Yep. I, On Lincoln, I look pretty.
1: Yes. So yes, I was in this board and that board and whatever. And they're very busy in a lot of different nonprofit boards. But the problem is they do not understand the need of the community. They do not, there's a disconnect with the staff. Sometimes they hire the incorrect staff for certain positions. And that's why you see things like this happening.
0: So I was uh, working with the Boy Scouts of America and you know they do such an amazing job and when I was talking to the executives they told me you know we do this and it's like uh okay could you set up a meeting with some moms and so they set up a meeting one Saturday with some moms and what the moms told me was something well it was more useful like one of the moms says you know my kid is uh was a follower he's like uh 10 years old and whatever his you know colleagues say he does till he joined the boy scouts now he's the leader in the group or another mom saying you know my uh, husband and my son had a really good relationship before but since boy scouts it has gotten so much deeper and so much richer like right now while we're talking they're doing a scavenger hunt together that has just bonded them in a, in a different way and when i heard the stories from the moms it was like oh my god you guys are doing such magical work you guys were telling me all the features and benefits of Boy Scouting and what the moms were telling me about how you changed my life, how you changed my kid.
1: Yes, the involvement of the community is very important. The establishment of nonprofits came from communities that cared, and sometimes it was church members or people in a small community who saw a need and started to establish a nonprofit. At the beginning, everything was the funds of the people themselves. And then suddenly in the 60s, after we started seeing all the grants and programs from the government, specifically in the United States, that's where I I am from, um, we see the growth of nonprofits, thanks to grants, but the establishment was different. Now the goal setting was, what can we do to make sure that we get the next grant next year? So, it, you know, it involves all these other the things. The focus changes. The focus changes, exactly. And then the community, it, there are surveys that you have to uh, present in order to get the grants but at the same time sometimes the community are not the decision makers
0: so let's talk about a specific client you can change the names because oftentimes there's a problem within any organization where uh you, Karen, you should know we are brilliant in these areas and we're fantastic and people think we're amazing and then we talk to their customers and they go Yeah, well, that's not that important to us. What's really important to us is this. So sometimes it's a disconnect from what we think versus what our customers think. So can you think of a nonprofit where they thought our marketing needs to say this and you came in and helped them? Uh, refocus their marketing in a place that was actually more meaningful?
1: Well, actually, yes. There was an opportunity for this occasion. It had to do with looking at things that we were doing in a nonprofit um, that uh, the focus had to be more into the modern. So we have social media coming along. And of course, they were using the social media platforms. They had their website. There was things that were done in the past. But I looked at the main headquarters organization, and they were doing podcasts, and they were doing weekly videos, and this was before COVID and everything. And I said, listen, let's do a podcast. Let's bring in opportunities to speak about the programs you provide, do interviews right here to the staff members and the people themselves that are receiving those services. Of course, I didn't, after that, a couple of of years, we started getting the COVID, you know, and we had to um, do restrictions so we couldn't interview uh, clients. But there was one opportunity, we got to interview one client. Uh, It was a small commercial we did. And that provided the opportunity for people to see, this is what we're doing with your money. We are serving the community and this is how they are thankful about this service. So that's an opportunity for a nonprofit to grow, to show where the money is going because taxpayers and people that are providing uh, donations wanna know, is it really going to the people that we are supposed to serve or is somebody else pocketing the money? And that's very important also because nowadays, nonprofits are more scrutinized because there were failures in the past.
0: As they should be. And of course there's scoundrels out there too, where there's like a tragic event and they set up a site that looks totally legit, send money to uh, the water issue in Mississippi. And then there's some scoundrel somewhere uh, just taking millions of dollars that should have gone to a good cause and did not. Yes. So talk to me about uh, you helping clarify the message for a nonprofit where they thought this was the message and you had to clarify it to get better results.
1: I there were one of the things that I got to see in nonprofits, they don't understand sometimes staff members, not everybody. Some people in nonprofits understand marketing is important, but other people scoff at it or laugh about it. Um, But they don't understand that advertising, marketing is a very important function in any organization. And uh, to make it clear, if we are providing a marketing campaign, this has to be done. And it's very difficult because a lot of times, for example, there could be a staff member that says, I do not want my clients to be photographed or videotaped or ask questions because they are maybe uh, illegal in the country or they might mm-hmm. use it, you know, I don't want to use that term, but basically undocumented.
0: Yeah, and of course. And well, that makes sense. No point in to take them away. Yeah.
1: So there is that fear of, um, well, they actually have an MDA they signed and everything, but I can understand the uh, the situation. And it's very hard sometimes to explain to a staff member, listen, if we could do the interview not show their face, maybe show the back or show the shoes, there are many things that we could do. We could do the, the audio itself mm-hmm. and put maybe graphics, and that would be working. And, and it would never uh, have a problem. So Things that we can come out of the box and explain to them. It doesn't have to strictly be face-to-face showing their face. Uh, so those are key elements there that can affect a marketing campaign.
0: Uh, of course. So what are, those, what are three things that most uh, nonprofits get wrong when it comes to marketing?
1: Um, hiring people that are not qualified to have the expertise and the skills to provide a good marketing campaign. hmm And that is due to maybe funding because they don't have an HR department and the specifics of what is needed for a staff member that is well qualified. Uh, The next thing is board members, you know, having that disconnect. They keep hiring, getting people to be in the board who probably are not qualified or that might not care as much, or they're too Mm -hmm. occupied with their own jobs that they don't have the time to provide any help. And the last thing i see is um, having that disconnect between the staff members and marketing department where they don't have a relationship where they feel more comfortable in actually working together to make a beautiful campaign that would be successful.
0: Right. It's also kind of interesting, uh, the relationship we have with nonprofits. Uh, I'm going to get the... uh... I get the name of the organization wrong. I think it's called Humanum, in Baltimore. And I'd gone for a tour there with uh, a leadership group. There was like 50 leaders from around the States, around the state of Maryland. And we went to this place and they had uh, converted the American uh, beer company's building and turned it into this spectacular five-star uh location to serve their community. And what was interesting was the leaders, mm-hmm. leaders that came to this event, a lot of them saw it as a negative. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe they spent all this money on this building. Mm-hmm. And Humanum was saying, look, we want everybody in this community to know that you deserve to have the best of care and the best of services. And so it was just kind of that reaction from the general public that I thought was kind of interesting that, uh, you know, well, if you're in need, you we should give you services and not uh, not the level of quality, perhaps uh, another company or another community would get. And uh, that says a lot about people are compassionate, but sometimes there's filters that get in the way of truly helping others.
1: Yes. Um, And again, maybe it has to do with the fact that some of these nonprofits, people know that they're utilizing tax dollars to provide a service, but they don't realize that they're actually providing a service to their own people in the community that can uh, prevent other issues in the future. So it's interesting you mentioned that. I have an example, just something exactly like that. Many years ago, a nonprofit uh, was providing a service, is still providing the service of bringing in women that have been abused, mistreated with their children into this uh, home. And they actually were looking for a place where they could establish that home because they had this funding, this grant, and they needed, and the group was growing. There were more women, who were uh, being mistreated that were coming in and they needed this uh, place to stay in that was private so that their abusers wouldn't come and find them. So once they were provided this beautiful farmhouse that they actually had to fix with that funding and bring those women and children, uh, the community got into the township and and argued in the township meeting saying, why are we having this place here? Why is this organization in this location? And there was a big, that was a big issue. So uh, of course the community had to accept it and everything. But the fact is little things like that. We're talking about women who are being abused and mistreated, who need a place to stay in a short term until Mm -hmm. they get back on their feet. They have their own children. And also we were, helping in that same house people that were um also victims of human trafficking so we're not talking about just a little thing this is something that is major in the country and we're doing something about it so that's that was one of the examples i had for you
0: yeah and of course Carolyn, we want to help them but just not in our neighborhood uh which is you know quite common uh one of the things i came across this guy who was uh he would give money to homeless people but he wouldn't just give them the money it would be uh let's say you're homeless carolyn it would be hey how are you doing what's your name and you would say you know carolyn my name's umar you know how did you get on the street like what's going on and spend like five minutes with that person connecting human to human and then give them the money rather than you know here's the money you know get lost and so i thought that was just really really good because he wanted to teach his kids that you need to be compassionate, but you can't just uh, uh, give money. It's like uh, honor the human being that you're helping as well.
1: Yes, definitely. It's part of the uh, opportunity that we have out there as human beings to help others. It, it, It feels good, actually, at the end of the day. And to see that sometimes people do not consider and remember that nonprofits, is something that is old. It's not something that is new. It's just in the human psyche to help each
0: other. Absolutely, and I think just, uh, if I can just see you as a human being, because I did this uh, video project uh, in 1993 or 94. I happened to be living in Berkeley. There's lots of homeless people there. And I started video interviews with homeless people. And when I did that, when I did that, uh, it uh, was kind of revealing. Do you know what the number one concern was for homeless people? Have a guess. Uh,
1: maybe food or shelter? <laughs> that personal, would be my number one if I was homeless. <laughs>
0: personal safety.
1: That's the safety, yeah. And
0: so for, for citizens, Perfect. the number one concern with homeless people was I don't feel safe, they're dangerous, they're gonna hurt me. And the number one concern for homeless people was the exact same thing, which was uh, kind of eye-opening for me. It's like, oh, wow. It's like, uh, that's just a human need. Like before survival, it's like the safety thing is like the most important. And then of course, uh, food and shelter. And then from that, you can move forward. Uh, So I decided rather than help all the homeless people out, uh, I would just pick one homeless person and so, Nate was a person I picked that I would actually just support him. Mm-hmm. And so, I would give Nate money on a regular basis. And one day, I had this small project at home. and said, hey, Nate, uh, why don't you come to my house? We got this project to do, and I'll pay you to do that. And this is what Nate did. And he just got so overwhelmed that uh he could not do it and it was an eye-opener for me because a lot of society thinks uh what a bunch of lazy bastards it's like you know get a job why don't you there's plenty of work and a lot of times it's uh mental issues and for nate just even thinking about uh, having to do a task like that overwhelmed him and he started hitting his head and it was like wow you cannot judge anybody unless you walk in their shoes
1: that's absolutely right and you don't know what brought that person to that location, to that situation. Um, You mentioned safety. There were a a couple of cases that I saw myself personally, where safety was not the issue because they felt comfortable in the people in their area where they were apparently staying. um, They were okay. They were good people. They said what the problem for us is the people from outside that keep judging us and don't want us here. And they don't realize we don't have a place to stay because there are programs out there, but when we go and apply for them, it takes weeks for us to be interviewed or provided some safety.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, a, a subject near and dear to my heart is, is, is women and, uh, human trafficking or just, uh, violence from a family member probably the person you love the most in the world is being violent uh it's uh it's really tough because uh they feel powerless and helpless and especially if you have kids uh it's uh, you know uh increases the trauma dramatically
1: yes uh definitely and uh the kids specifically um what i've seen is as so traumatic for them that even when they try to go back to school or go back to it affects their relationship with people it affects their relationship with teachers relationship with service providers and it's difficult for them to go back to the swing of things because now there's distrust issue that could last a long period of time even to their adulthood If it is not addressed on time. And so that's why nonprofits are so important, because it's not only providing the shelter and the food or the jobs, but also providing counseling, uh, opportunity for them to be in talk groups, providing them with skills that they need uh, to go out there in the workforce. And so that's a whole combination of a lot of things that nonprofits do.
0: So I'm going to have you guess a number uh this is from a few years ago but I'm sure it's about the same now maybe a little bit more how many homeless children do you think go to high school in Philadelphia
1: oh I think that there's a lot of students uh thousand that's uh I estimate more
0: and it's probably a lot more especially now
1: yes and
0: so I was uh I got this uh one of my highlights in my uh professional life was I met this couple that were actually providing services to homeless kids going to high school. And I came to do a workshop for them all about mindset and how to be more confident, let go of anxiety. And at the end of the workshop, they have to break a board. It's uh, a one inch thick, 10 inches by 10 inches. And they got a donation of the boards. And instead of uh, one inch thick and 10 by 10, they got 12 by 12 and one inch. Mm -hmm. And I went to the kids, you know, they're teenagers, like uh, 14, 16, Uh, you know, I was going to get you guys to break this board, but you know, it's, it's a lot tougher when it's bigger. So uh, we're not going to do that today. And they're like, Hey, we want to do that. And every single kid karate chopped and broke through the board. And uh, (laughs) it was just so nice that they were just vibrant and passionate and just wanted to do well in the world. They're very (laughs) resilient. Of course.
1: Absolutely. Um, it 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 also um, now that you mentioned Philadelphia and everything and the homelessness and children, also there was a documentary recently where they reported that in specifically at the Temple University in Philadelphia there are hundreds of students also that are homeless, and they wanted to let the staff know they wanted the the director and all the people in Temple University to let them know there are hundreds of students here um, that are homeless and in need. And they st- established um, a food program and a shelter and everything for the students right on campus. So that that's an example right there of not only children, but also it's affecting the teens and the people that are starting school and universities that could affect how they're going to be um, being able to provide for them is crucial as well.
0: Okay, I'm going to actually do a little bit of math here, times 62 times 3 equal. So Carolyn, guess out of the 67,890 meals that I've had in my, could have had in my lifetime, how many of those do you think I ever missed where there wasn't enough food on the table? 67,000, you said? 67,890 possible meals I could have had in my lifetime. How many of those do you think I missed because there wasn't enough food? Half of them. Of course not. Zero. (laughs) Zero meals were missed. And so it sometimes is hard to empathize or even imagine that there's so many people living in the richest country in the world that there's not enough food to eat and they're missing meals a day. Where I've not missed one meal in my entire lifetime because there wasn't food. And that's, I guess, the compassion we need to have is, hey, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it's hard to study in school if you are hungry.
1: Yes, yes. It's
0: hard to study when you don't have heat and light in your house. It's So we are blessed. So Carolyn, before we part company, if you had a magic wand, and I happen to have one, by the way, (laughs) and you could change society in a way that would make them more loving, more generous, what's the one thing you would change?
1: One thing that I would change would be so that everybody would have the opportunity to travel and see the world and visit places where there was hunger. I myself was actually in the nonprofit sector because I was hungry and I had a situation in my life while I was a college student in my early days that I didn't have half of the meals that i needed at least wow so so that's why i said my percentage is half um there were many times in my life yes that i perceived and know the hunger in the world so i think that if i had a magic wand i would give everyone the opportunity to see the world and understand each other
0: so i'll leave everybody with one last thought i i heard the story uh Uh, this guy has a place in Baltimore where they look after kids that, uh, so they don't have gang violence. And they've got a storefront location where kids can come in, play video games. It's a safe place. And there's an eight-year-old kid uh, playing a video game. And our hero who runs the center uh, is having lunch. So he comes out and he sits down on the sofa watching the kid play with his sandwich. And the little kid goes, are you going to eat all of that sandwich? And our hero goes, no, little man, you can have, you can have half. And the kid uh, eats uh, half of his half. So he leaves a quarter, wraps it up in a napkin, and then leaves the center. And next week, the same thing happens. He says, uh, are you going to eat all of that sandwich? He goes, no, little man, you can have half. And the kid eats half of his half, the quarter, wraps it up in a paper towel, and goes to leave. And our hero goes, hey, dude, how come you do that? Each time you don't eat you know, all of the sandwich, you just eat half. And he goes, uh, my mom's addicted to crack and my three-year-old sister has nothing to eat. So an eight-year-old has to look after his sister. And uh, that is A, magical. And B, when people say, you know, why are you complaining? Why don't you pull yourself up by your bootstraps? It's like, if you had to survive like that, where your mom can't look after you because of a drug issue and your eight-year-old brother has to forage for food for a three-year-old, It's heartbreaking and also heartwarming at the same time. Yes. Uh,
1: Yes. And definitely uh, having that magic wand of letting others see how the world is out there. It gives you the chance to hire people as well, if you were in marketing or if you were in any sector in the nonprofit, to make sure that you're hiring the people that do understand what's going on. And that can change many many lives
0: so my magic wand what i would wish for is every interaction that we have we come at it with love in our hearts and i think that would uh change the world as well thank you so much for being on the program today
1: thank you so much for talking to me omar it's been a pleasure
0: if you enjoyed this episode please go to itunes and leave a five-star rating